Broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing, get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Hello and welcome back to RN Huddle. This is Heidi Keeler, your host, coming to you from the depths of the UNMC College of Nursing. You know, now that we're departing the holiday season, our attention is focusing more on our health, on cleansing, healing, restoration. It's a new year, new habits, new exercise routines, new motivations, new goals. So today we're going to bring you a different kind of interview than what we've done before here on RN Huddle. We've invited the creators of Empowered University, started right here in Omaha. And this is not to be confused with the book, The Empowered University, but we're going to hear from the creators, Jason Ott, who specializes in nutrition and healing, and Nick Manzu, who specializes in mind, food, and metabolism. So Empowered University hosts a program called Empowered Prevention. And this is a wellness program using a title that they have called Primordial Prevention. And we're going to hear about their thoughts about the food you eat, what you put into your body, how your body incorporates that into your cells, uh, how exercise affects this, and then what does all of this mean for certain conditions like coronary artery disease, diabetes, really taking a look at some holistic concepts in health. And something we're all interested in, how to work out smarter, not harder. We are all just inundated with things all day long, and they're going to give us some ideas on that. And they're going to talk about the connection between food, what you put into your body, how you move, and how this affects chronic pain. So before we start, I just want to let you know that Empowered University is not affiliated with our own UNMC or Nebraska Medicine, but... As nurses, you know, we may encounter patients who are really looking for a different approach to health, a more holistic approach to health. So really, it never hurts for us to hear all information, to be informed about all that's out there, and to constantly be hearing about new ideas and new thoughts. So with that, let's hear from Jason and Nick. Hello there. You're here with Jason Ott. And Nick Monzu. And... Today we're here to discuss with you guys about a local program here in Powered University that we have created. And uh, part of my role is I'm heading the nutrition, the healing aspect of it. And Nick, I take care of the mind, movement, and metabolism. In in the point of this program, we work with doctors, with nurses, with nurse practitioners, chiropractors. But it's a wellness program based on primordial prevention, and um, that is something that we're very passionate in within our respective expertise. But I'm going to let Nick kind of define what primordial prevention is. Well, uh, let's start with kind of explaining the different kinds of preventative care there is and prevention. Primary prevention is that is when you are going to go right into the doctor. That's going to be the nurses that are listening to this. You guys are the primary care providers. When we're talking about primordial prevention, we're talking about trying to deal with the underlying factors that cause a disease or disability in the first place. So we're trying to reduce those or or stop the occurrence of those things that lead to it happening instead of waiting until it's happening and then trying to address it. So that's something that we've done through this program in Power University. I think we're really, you know, bridging the gap in lifestyle medicine. Of course, we are not doctors, but often people are clients. They go see their physician or their healthcare provider, and they say, you know, you really need to change the way you're living. You're, you need to start exercising, and you need to eat better. 
and usually there's someone who already is on a medication or they're trying to prevent that from happening, but those terms are very vague. And so I think that's where we pick up and we bridge that gap is we understand what primordial prevention is and we know what our role is. And I think when we work together with our medical doctors and uh, our nurses, that's when we can really start helping the community here in Omaha as a whole. And I think the goal is to, you know, as great of people and, and providers as the medical staff is that you have in your life, I'm sure they would like to not see you. Because right. that means that you don't have anything going on. You're a healthy individual. And so what do you do in your life to prevent yourself from having to go to see those people in the first place? Um, those people can help you and they do amazing things, but they're on the sick continuum. And if you're not, if your blood pressure isn't at a certain level, uh, if you're blood sugars aren't. Uh, if you if you don't have a disease right now, there's a limit to what primary care providers can do for you. And so when we come in with a program like Empowered University and we're talking about preventing something before it happens, we want to look at your lifestyle and make sure we address all the pieces that can contribute to you having something in the first place instead of dealing with all the stresses, suffering, and the, the monetary costs that come with any kind of disease or disability. Yeah. And I guess an easy way to help understand what we're talking about is let's take one of the biggest concerns we have right now. We have what coronary artery disease. So we have heart disease. Um, we see a lot of people that are pre-diabetic or have diabetes. Uh, so if we took somebody and we started to address, well, why, why are they having diabetes? And why, why is there such a spike here in America when you look over the last hundred years why has there been a shift, especially the last 30? The last 30 has been insane, the amount of dietary diseases, or I call diseases of kings, and why, why we're coming into that. So if we started to take this concept of primordial prevention and apply it to a type 2 diabetic, uh, we can start to break down things. So I'm always going to go, food, what are you putting in your body? What is clogging up the receptors, not allowing your body to uptake glucose? What's going on with your pancreas? And if you weren't born that way, over the years, it's progressively got to there. How are you eating all day, every day? Are you eating any fresh foods? Are you eating from boxes? Are you eating high fatty diets? Like what is getting you to this point? And what can we do now with your medical professional to get things to balance out? And what, what were the underlying factors? Because obviously once you balance things out, you want to stay that way. So, I mean... One of the factors is nutrition. I think Nick has a very um, unique and amazing way of how he looks at exercise because until I met this guy, everyone in the exercise field just wanted to you know, put you in a high-intensity workout and burn as many calories as possible. But now with his education, why would we want to do that to a diabetic? Why would we want to do that to someone with heart disease or an autoimmune condition? It just doesn't make sense. So if you can share a little bit more about the exercise piece. Well, yeah. I mean, let's take a diabetic. So somebody that uh, has diabetes and they uh, – so they go into a, a gym and they know they need to work out. They know they need – they have time they need to make up for time that they were sedentary. They weren't doing the things they needed to do. And so they go in and everybody wants to come in with this no pain, no gain mentality where they just want to push themselves as hard as they can to, again, make up for lost time. That being said – at higher intensities of exercise, I use sugar as fuel instead of fat. So if I am somebody who has trouble with my sugar balance already, and then I'm going to go try to participate in exercise that uses purely sugar for fuel, 
I'm going to tap my resources and now I'm going to crave sugar. So we end up fighting our physiology with our exercise choices. And that's where I come in on this program is that I teach people how to exercise at a, at a slower aerobic rate for most of the time. Uh, this exercise, what I found is a healthier way to do it, causes less inflammation and causes less of a backlash physiologically where most of us are dealing with some kind of a uh, sugar cravings, especially somebody that is a diabetic. And that's where I come in as I teach people how to exercise in that manner. And I also teach them the science behind how this is the healthy um, way to spend the majority of your time while you exercise. Yeah, and, and there's somebody within our, our gym who works with another trainer, and uh, she's type 1 diabetic, I believe. But depending what you just said, Nick, the intensity of the exercise messes more with the sugar if you're not working out in the right uh, aerobic zone, right? So with this client, I, I've watched, she'll come in and have really high or really low blood sugar based on her day or stress, all that. So doing something, which I witnessed, high intensity, which is not what she needs. Um, she started to get lightheaded. She started to have to take a lot more time from getting up and down, which is not the point. You're you're taxing a system that's already taxed, mm -hmm. if I'm understanding mm -hmm. correctly. And you're not burning any fat. That's any, any disease that anybody has, any condition or disability. At the end of the day, we exercise because we want to lose fat. And at lower heart rate uh, levels, you use majority fat if you are adapted to use fat, because, meaning if you spend time, quality time, in an aerobic or a fat-burning heart rate zone, you get better at using fat for fuel. So me as an ex-football player, every activity I did was high-intensity, fast, sprint, heavy weights. And so I was somebody that was adapted for sugar burning. When uh, Jason and I both worked at a gym here in town where we actually had, uh, we, we did testing, where you could test the levels of uh, resting, uh, what you used for fuel at a resting state. And so as you sit down, you breathe into a, a, a mask for about 20 minutes and it tells you what percentage of sugar you're using to fat at a resting rate. At a resting, just sitting in a chair, relaxing, you should be using primarily fat for fuel because if you're at a lower heart rate. The, a healthy individual is going to be about 80 to 80 to 90% fat burn, 10% sugar burn. I took the test, somebody who thought he was eating right, working out six to seven days a week as hard as I possibly could. I took that test and I found out I was 96% sugar burning at a resting heart rate. Wow. And, and I had um, adrenal fatigue. I had excess body fat that wouldn't budge no matter how much I changed my nutrition or my exercise. And I had chronic pain rippling through my, almost every joint in my body. And um, I couldn't figure out why. And so when I started to learn the science behind that, I learned how to work out smarter instead of harder, uh, which has allowed me to work out harder now in the long run. Um, as well as use fat for fuel, which everyone wants to do, and it's the healthier way to live. Most of us, because of our food choices, our lifestyle choices, and our exercise choices, tend to um, shift more towards the sugar burning than the fat burning side of things. In, in what I hear is we have insulin resistance, we have insulin sensitivity. So at that point, when you got this test, you had more insulin resistance in your cells. Your body, I mean, our liver and our muscular cells are designed to uptake uh, glucose as glycogen and store it as energy later, as well as many of those little glycogen molecules, or even if you attach the fiber to it, like they pull in the vitamins and minerals to cells. And without that, and they're just floating around in your blood constantly, you're sucking up fat into the cells, which is insulin resistance, right? And really on the primordial side, both me and you, we're trying to increase insulin sensitivity so the type of exercise that you've 
created within the program helps to do that. So now all of a sudden, because you're exercising correctly, now what I'm trying to give people as you know advice for nutrition is working better because your cells are functioning correctly. So it's like, what can we do in your daily life to improve insulin sensitivity? And I'd even say outside of diabetes, I mean, that's our high blood pressure, our high cholesterol, the, the heart disease. And I would even go as far as um, they're saying that brain conditions like the dementia and Alzheimer's is type three. So we're having some insulin sensitive issues crossing the blood brain barrier. And well, I mean, look at that now. We're on the rise again. No one wants to get to that point. If we explain diabetes type two specifically as a maladaptive adaptation of your body to the environment that it's been put in because of the energy dense um, nutrient sparse foods that we eat combined with the sedentary activity all that stuff when we start thinking about that as something that we have adapted to because of our lifestyle we can start thinking it in reverse and that's what we've done with primordial prevention and with this university is we start teaching people how to think about it Instead of addressing the disease or your weight loss itself, let's talk about this doing things to create the cellular adaptations that allow your body to work the way it's supposed to. So we're not going to deal with the low-hanging fruit of uh, I have excess weight. We're going to talk about all the contributing factors to it, and then we're going to make sure we take care of those right away, which then allow your body to create these awesome adaptations, uh, which... Most of us, our bodies have adapted away from health. And if we can do the things that our bodies were designed for, we start to adapt towards health. And I think that's what you and I have both done with our program and how we run it. Yeah, I agree. And so, like, I think that's why we've seen this huge shift now in the medicine field to lifestyle medicine or functional medicine, because we're taking in all these other factors. Saying, how have you lived? Um, You said mind movement metabolism. One of the big reasons why we got together was because I'm sitting here trying to have a discussion with somebody about their nutrition. And I keep running up against beliefs, a mindset that doesn't allow them to get the help they want. And I'm sure uh, whether you're a nurse, doctors, you just want your patients to change and change their life. But they have these beliefs that are in the way of them changing their habits and behavior when they leave. So like, like you said already, Nick, you don't want to you know, medical professionals don't want to constantly see the same people. They would love to never see you again because it means you're getting better. And one of the biggest beliefs that I battle when it comes to nutrition is we live in an age now where people value a food in a package that we created in a lab more than food that has grown in the ground and has sustained our survival for thousands of years, not just the last hundred. And when I look at the big picture of that, I'm like, we're not We are living in a very micro, the last hundred years of this, and I wouldn't even say hundred, it's really 60 years of this packaged food thing. But now because we've had multiple generations birthed into this, it's the normal. I mean, there, I I met a, a girl this last year that she didn't even know a pear grew on a tree. She'd never ate a pear before. She wasn't sure what they taste like or anything, not even in a can, because all she has been fed and had is from a box, from a package. So like, a big part, I think, of this that we're talking about is a mind shift, mm-hmm. like shifting the way you exercise, the way you eat, the way you view reality. And sticking with diabetes is let's stop focusing on the things that make you more insulin resistant 
and let's start doing a bunch of things that make you more insulin sensitive. So we're going the other way. It's a different mindset and a way to go about that. And I think one of the best ways that we stimulate this change of mindset is we just ask the question why over and over and over again. Um, whether it's us trying to figure out literally why this person is where they are, or it's us trying to figure out why they keep doing the stuff that they don't want to do and they can't do the stuff they want to do. And for me, uh, if you dig deep enough, you're going to find a truth somewhere. And I just think that for a long time, we haven't been digging deep enough. Absolutely. On the side of, because um, I know you're deep into movement, Nick, on the side of our sedentary lifestyle, obviously culture's changed because we have more dust jobs. We have more of these things going on. But from a chronic pain standpoint, because we we've been dabbling here in chronic mm -hmm. illness just a little bit, but let's look at physical pain because that's a big part of the reality that many Americans live in right now. On the side of that, I mean, how do you look at, I mean, yes, you got to retrain their mind, but how do you look at someone's physical lifestyle as it relates to chronic pain being what we need to change? How do we prevent that? Like if someone's listening to this and they got to go to a job five days a week that they're sitting there for eight, nine, 10 hours a day. And they're like, man, my back and neck are killing me because I spend you know, 40 hours a week in a bad position, what can we start to do? Or I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. What can we start to do? <laughs> the simplest thing is to move. And it, and I mean, it's, it sucks that it's such a um, ubiquitous answer, uh, but it, that's really the, the, the cure is movement. And, it, and for me, it's moving in something that you enjoy and that you're going to keep doing that is sustainable. And so maybe that is joining a yoga class. That's something that you did, Jason. I yeah. know you did. Maybe it's going for a daily walk. Um, maybe it's getting outside and taking some breaths between, you know, every hour and a half while you're at work. For me, it comes to being consciously aware that of the things that are creating suffering in your life, physical pain, um, poor posture, whatever, and now trying to mitigate those as much as possible. And on the other end, move as much as you can at a slow pace, being conscious of your movement. Most of us, we're, we're moving so fast, um, we're barely thinking about what's going on in our body. Um, and then when we do have time, we don't move our body at all. We just sit at home and we, we watch Netflix. You're watching Netflix anyway. Lay on the ground and stretch. Throw a lacrosse ball under a hamstring while you're sitting at work. Get up and stretch your arms out every 15 minutes while you're working at your desk. There's all these things that you can do. For me, it comes to just moving more. And especially in conscious ways that you have set in your schedule that you know are always going to be there. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I think that disrupts. I just, when you're talking, I just think of pattern disrupts. So like you're disrupting your daily pattern where you get locked into these positions. One of the books I read that talked a lot about that was desk bound. And it was just like, you get locked in for three, four hours into doing something. And then you get up and you're like, what the heck happened? On some level, we have a nervous system stressor going on. You know, the body is locked into a position so then the physical body does because the nervous system was and then you walk around that way and next thing you know you got a worn out knee or something going on there so on the side of food I'm like what can I do to calm that physical body down that nervous system how do we calm that down and for me these are all primordial factors like okay well I'm going to start moving more in my day I'm going to learn how to exercise right I'm going to change my food you know I'm, I'm probably going to work on the thoughts I think because they might be buttoned up against the life that I actually want. So I get out of this hamster wheel. But one of the best quotes I heard was prevention is our greatest form of medicine. And I think that there's going to be a tipping point where we have to learn to eat better. 
we can't raise generations on canned and boxed and fast food. And we're starting to see the ramifications of this. And we're going to have to change this lifestyle into what we're talking about more primordial and thinking of what can we do before this ever happens. I have an eight-year-old daughter. That's something I constantly think about with her. What can I teach her that she grows up to think is normal, but really isn't normal <laughs> compared to how other people are? And what can I teach her so that she grows up and she just lives this lifestyle to prevent it to begin with? So then hopefully that as she gets to that point and if there is any sort of sickness scare, it's minute. It's little. It's something we can handle very quickly and it's not something catastrophic. I think you're talking about a shift in culture to value doing things to prevent things happening instead of uh, and being proactive instead of just waiting for them to happen and then trying to put out the fires. And um, that's a shift that I'm trying to make in my life, a shift that I'm trying to help others make in their life. And I'm trying to help others make it in their life specifically for their kids because a lot of us are far gone. But this is something that we have to do as a culture because there are going to be millions of kids that are born into this epidemic of chronic disease and disability. And that scares the crap out of me. It is. And you made a good point. It's culture. And um, culture is a really good thing. But I think we're just learning what the American culture is actually birthing in our generations. And right now, it's worst it's ever been in all areas of disease. So I think we got to be very careful what we're teaching as normal in our culture. I mean, this. that's why we've created the program Empowered University, because we have tried to create a place and a home for people to come where the culture is, we're focusing on preventing things from happening or arresting things that are already there and trying to create a lifestyle that gets you as far away from that sickness or disability as we possibly can. Absolutely. It's just bridging the gap, right? We see that the, the medical field, they're the ones that lead the way, right? And then it seems like everything in the health industry kind of follows that. So doing our part now to bridge that gap for our medical and health professionals to then work together to solve this, right? It's going to take a village. Damn right. It is. Well, thank you guys. I hope this was beneficial and it, it helped to, for you to generate some ideas and think of how you can help yourself and your family and your patients. And uh, once again, this is Jason Ott, and thank you for listening. Nick Monzu. Um, you can find Jason at EmpoweredPrevention.com. Um, also, his handle, Empowered Prevention, on Instagram and Facebook. And then mine is Monzu's Movement on Instagram, and you can just find me on Facebook as Nick Monzu. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, that was really an interesting conversation, gentlemen. Uh, really fascinating thoughts. You know, as we consider what we've heard, I just want to encourage you to make sure that your own nursing practice considers all evidence, considers all guidelines, and that any advice or practice that reaches patients um, should be well vetted. I do think that nurses have always known that food and movement are critical for good health, and luckily for us, we've heard some ideas on just how that works. So hopefully we've given you some food for thought today. I hope that uh, my little pun there has brought a smile to your face. And, um, and we're going to go ahead and conclude this edition of RN Huddle. I can't wait to meet up with you here next time, next episode. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE. Or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.